parties. I've only felt excitement three times in regard to my work. The fourth of these was one morning when I was pulling the charcoal mill at a threshing. My brother, who was a schoolboy at the time, came running up to bring me a letter from the Weekly Independent, which, when I opened it, read, the editor was accepting three poems of mine, Summer, The Pessimist, and Freedom. The second was when I got a letter from A, George Russell, saying that like the poems I sent him, but couldn't use them, and would have sent him some more. And the third was at this gateway, and I received a small blue envelope from the Spectator, saying that the then literary editor was keeping three poems for publication. The literary editor who signed the letter was Peter Fleming, whose brother afterwards, Ian, created James Bond. Welcome to another episode of A Door Into The Dark, TCG's English Department's podcast. This week we're going to take a look at the Leaving Sir poet, Patrick Kavanagh. I'm your host, Catherine Hickey, and today we have uh, John Simpson and Sean O'Brien giving their thoughts and opinions on the poet. And we're going to kind of guide our um, discussion around the 2012 uh, question there. Aspects of Kavanagh's poetry could be uh, seen as dated and irrelevant, but his unique poetic language has enduring appeal. So, um, who would like to get going on that? Do we agree? Do we think that Kavanagh's poetry can be seen as as dated and irrelevant? Uh, so I'm just to kind of put this through. So I'm here almost as this like strange representative of Monaghan, <laughs> um, and I've got to put this all out there really clearly. I don't have a Monaghan accent. Any of you who are from Monaghan will figure that out pretty quickly. Um, I'm not from there. Um, I moved there when I was six with Dublin parents. Um, Irrelevant sounds kind of a bit harsh, it doesn't it? Yes, it does. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not from Monaghan, but I'm kind of triggered. Or I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not of Monaghan, but I'm triggered <laughs> by that. Um, I was I kind of, Calvin is a really interesting character because he's a reflection of where he's from, but he hates where he's from. Yeah. Um, but but don't you say a bad thing about it at the same time? Do you know what I mean? Like he he's. Uh, he 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 doesn't feel at e- he's ill at ease when he's there, but there is a, there are elements of like pride at the same. Time. Maybe I'm there pushing is too much I I no I think there is that element of pride. I think he's he seems like someone who's born in the wrong place, but also not born in the wrong place in a in a weird kind of way. Like he he is he seems someone dislocated. He, he wants to be the poet, but he doesn't have the education. He wants to be the farmer, but he doesn't have the skills, or at least he doesn't think he does. Mm. And this kind of this kind of juxtaposition in his worldview, in his life as he grew up, seems to really have this effect, and it kind of turns him into that poem poet of attempting biting satire, of having a cut at the Irish state, having a cut at the priest having a cut of the establishment because he tried, he seemed to try many different mm. aspects of his life on. He tried to be the farmer. The farmers looked at him as like, who's this, this poet reading foreign literature and <laughs> all of that. And then he goes to the city, he goes to Dublin and all the middle-class snobs, for lack of a better word, see him as this like 
peasant. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And he kind of doesn't fit in between any of them. And it's, it seems like his life and his work is this effort to circle in and back around to these different messages he got growing up mm. um, and in his formative, in his formative times. Um, and, I, and, and I think in many ways he is actually is representative of a version of Monaghan that does exist, but also doesn't exist in the same way. It's a kind of a strange one. Yeah, the um, the idea of him uh, never fitting in, I, I often feel like when he would be in Monaghan, he would, it, I, I think we were talking about Bishop most recently, it was the, the other poet, and the idea that uh, a lot of poets and like great uh, individuals just resist easy definitions. They, they just don't want to be like easily labeled as, uh, he's just a farmer, he's just, so when he's surrounded by the farmer's, uh, and he's, you know, looking at everyone going to Billy Brennan's barn um, on the Inneskeen Road July evening poem. He he feels separate to that. And so he kind of tries to elevate what makes him different about uh, compared to the others. You know, he shows off his education, refers to himself like Alexander Selkirk and oh, look at the, you know, the historical knowledge that I have and how this sets me apart from the others. But then equally when he's in, uh, when he's um, in Dublin, He's talking about he's he's looking down the barge and waiting for all the the stories to come in from the from the provincial townlands and stuff like that. So I think it's kind of like Arctic Monkeys, you know, whatever, whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not. Yeah, it's, he just like doesn't whatever you tell me I, I am, I'm gonna find a way to show you that I'm I'm other things other than just just what you think I am. Yeah, and again, that even like and that's that's and that that. Really Arctic Monkeys fringe stuff. <laughs> That's based off a 1950s novel set in Nottingham, okay, um, yeah. and it's about a guy Arthur Selby, I think is his name. Arthur, no, it's not Selby. It's something I can't remember his name. But he works for a rally bike company, and his whole life is built around. It's the book is called um, Friday Night, Friday Night, Saturday Night, Friday Night, Sunday Morning, or Saturday Night, Sunday Morning, and it's built around the weekend and how life is monotonous and grim and dull. But then you know, get our drink on at the weekend, it'll be fine. <laughs> Um, and he's this kind of like first anti-hero um, and Kavanaugh, I think Kevin and Kavanaugh would have similar kind of, oh, yeah. um, I think they'd like each other as characters. They're very much, are oh, you telling me I'm that? Well, I'm definitely not going to do that yeah. now, even if I wanted to do that five minutes ago. Yeah. Do you, yeah, do you think Kavanaugh recognised himself as an anti, a bit of an anti-hero? Oh, then? totally. I yeah. Think, I think completely. he wanted to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'd be dying to be told, for everyone <laughs> to tell him like, yeah, you just stuck it to the man, Patrick. I, think, I, was, I was reading something and he talked about, he was talking about being a critic Mm. Um, and he had this very short-lived journal called Kavanaugh's Weekly. lasted 13, I think it lasted 13 editions. I've, I've been on a website. Okay. Um, it was him and his I brother or something, was yeah, it? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. and he was criticising stuff, and he kind of, like, he kind of had this, his criticism was, was harsh yeah. and horrible, and he actually talked about, um, he, he, he has an issue with um, positive criticism. Um, he doesn't think that criticism should be, this is good. <laughs> he, he actually would argue that, you know, oh, criticism should only be, um, like the, the quote is actually this, uh, he talked about critics, he says, a bold, shrewd and vivid judgment that is worth pages of from duller or, or more systematic cri- critics. Um, and so he kind of, he, he basically didn't want criticism unless it was like, this is not good. <laughs> he never wanted his criticism to say, because he, he saw it as like, Basically, maybe he's a bit too crude, blowing smoke up my heart. Don't blow smoke up my heart. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's interesting because my class definitely, I think when we were studying Kavanagh, they were like, God, he's very up himself, isn't he? He's very full of himself. Mm. I don't know if you two agree with that summation or what your thoughts well, on that are. Kind of the part of the interesting thing I know about is like he's not a popular figure. Mm. So I I grew up in a town called Cartman Cross. He's from Innes, he's from a little village called Inneskeen. It's about halfway between Dundalk and Cartman Cross in the northeast. This is these are not famous places, but they do exist, I promise. <laughs> and he was seen by older people as this aloof, unpleasant, harsh critic, almost seen as too good for the area in a way. Um, and in many ways, I think at the time he wasn't particularly, he was kind of seen as somebody who drank a lot of the bars in Carrick, um, struggles or refused to pay his tabs, would kind of go from bar to bar and, plead, and pissed off that owner enough to be kind of kicked out and older people that used to go to the Gale School and Gale Secondary School in CBS Dundalk, you'd just take the 8am bus from Carrot Macross to Dundalk and they'd see him, he'd have drunk that night before in the in the, in the the pubs, he didn't go home, he slept out somewhere on a park bench somewhere and then took the early bus back towards the tail end of his life um, and he was kind of seen as this distant, arrogant, he's been to Dublin, <laughs> with ideas Um Though I, by all accounts, I think he did soften as he got older, particularly after he lost that libel suit where um, former Thieshock John Costello destroyed him um, in the okay. high course for a li- on a libel case. Um, and I think he had a brush with cancer and things like that, and he kind of mellowed. But as a young man, yeah. he was he really symbolised yeah. the idea of the angry young man um, very much so, I think. I, I, I think I find um, that, yeah, I think he, he, he he's a total contradiction all the time like he he i think he did believe he was every bit as bright or brighter than those around him but you can see the insecurities there as well like they're they're both there you know like that the the cestet at the end of uh in a skiing road the july evening he is both you know praising his intelligence or his intellect and being able to say oh i'm just like alexander selkirk but then he ends it by saying you know i'm the king of every blooming thing you know yeah. and he's kind of like he's acknowledging yeah look at me with all my learning and my understanding and i can uh more greatly appreciate the you know the, the budding romances that you're all going down on and i've got this this distance and this uh greater sense of the wider sense of humanity while you're just the pawns running through the human race you know um but at the end of it he still ends up with nothing like every blooming thing um is re- you know the kids won't know it as a, as an old uh, phrase, but like for something to be blooming, it's like bloody or you know, effing or so yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. I'm I'm king of nothing basically. Yeah. So he's fully aware that um, he 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 doesn't. I, I find uh, epic is a really great poem as well that celebrates the yeah, the duality or the contradiction there. Like you're saying about the uh, John, and you were saying that um, like these places like Inneskeen, I swear they're real. You know that that uh, um. He's he is he really does believe it. It could be as important as uh, as that Munich bother, um, yeah. because we just don't know. It's he's just at an earlier point in time where this is all taking place. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And unlike it is like Inneskeen is today is it's tiny. Mm. It's it's a it's a pub. It's a church. It's a primary school. It's a disused pitch and put course, <laughs> and a monument to the hunger strikers. Okay. And, and 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 that's a lot of that's a lot of what's in the town. And the other thing to kind of talk about is, 
the ta- the community has grown up in in the early Irish Free State. So I'm, I'm a history teacher, so there's a bit of a history. You're going to get a history lesson. It's right by the border. Mm. Yeah, the border is six or seven kilometers up the road. Mm. This is very much a hard border, and this is a county that has was one of the most populated counties pre-famine and became one of the most depopulated famine ca- counties post-famine. It's one of the worst affected areas. And he was born at a time when that popular memory of the famine was still around. His grand- parents, people of his grandparents' generation would have had real, would have had maybe not real memories of it, but me- closer memories than he would have had. And the remains of the old cottages, like the, the, the bit of land that my parents built their house on, there's the remains of a wall. Mm. From an old from an old famine cottage, um, and when we were building it, we were constantly finding um, shoe, ho- shoe um, horses' shoes and right. nails and things like that. And you can kind of see the county. I think the county's population is sixty thousand now. It was well over a hundred thousand before the wow. famine. Um, so you know, it's one of those things. If Monaghan ever get back to Crow Park, they won't fill the stadium. <laughs> um, and, and and I think his kind of issue with it, and he actually wrote about it later on, was he felt now Monaghan is not a rich area. It, it never really has been. It's not wealthy compared to the areas around Dublin City and Cork and places like that. It's not as wealthy. But he actually said the real poverty was this idea of the lack of enlightenment, the lack of education, mm. um, which he seemed to like. And he didn't get much of education. He left after primary school. He's mm. mostly self-taught. Um he seemed to have almost kind of got like a patron to kind of introduce him to the classics. And he went to Dundalk, which um, is not a particularly big town, but it's a big town in comparison to the towns around him. Mm. Um, and I think that he saw a bigger, brighter world. And I think he wanted to be a part of that. But he also, in that bigger, brighter world, was seen as this novelty, mm. as the, oh, look at the peasant. Yeah. And he had he did seem to have this rejection of this Anglo, uh, the Anglo literary, the Anglo Irish history movement, the Irish history movement for being predominantly middle class, for being, yeah, like most of the most famous people out of that, you know, they, they wrote their poetry while staying in their Georgian mansions. Yeah. They, they're not from cavernous stock at all. He, he's like the anti-Yates, isn't yeah. he? Like, I mean, Yates was there and defined Irish poetry just before him and was, you know, a critic's darling and all that sort of stuff. But, um, like, like Kavanaugh, when he talks about Advent, you know, uh, you know, in the the lead up to Christmas, and the like, his um, like, where does where, where does like um the devout religious Catholic belief come from? It's it's in the it's in the dreariness or the the difficulty of the life that he had to experience, and it's when you come through this like bleak, unpromising. Um, place that you can kind of find these small little moments of beauty like you know God's voice in the dreeping hedges and stuff like that that he's he's a totally different like he's the yeah he's the first one of the first artists that doesn't come from comfort and so his story is more uncomfortable as a as a result of that because he's gotten he's living in a reality that is not comfortable and it's yeah, it's it's not all going to be pretty, I suppose. No, you know? and I think he he really leans into that. Yeah, in his work. I mean, as he gets more, as he's you know, written a few things in local newspapers and a Dark Democrat, which I spent a very sad TY work experience week in. Um, <laughs> he ends up in Dublin, and like even part of it, how he ends up in Dublin the first time he walks to Dublin. Oh wow! Okay. Um, yeah, that, which is uh, over a hundred kilometers. 
Um, and he could have taken. There were trains. There was a, mm. a there was a train that went through Inishkeen to Dundalk, which would have got him to Dublin. But he walked, so he kind of there's a sign of the level of poverty as he couldn't. Yeah. He either didn't want to or couldn't afford to pay for a rail ticket down and to Dublin. They've done his brother's couch and stuff. Yeah. Well, he? Yeah. And and it's it's kind of but like when he kind of realizes that maybe he doesn't fit into the world he was born into in in Monaghan, but also doesn't fit into the slightly more loose um, up their own hole. Um, <laughs> middle class kind of group in Dublin mm. he becomes quite biting he he leans into that angry young man thing and, and mm. a lot of that is kind of you can and even like he's having to cut at society he's having to cut at the government he that his the kind of the epic poem he wrote The Hunger which he wrote in the, it, it, which he wrote during the Second World War during the emergency in Ireland and he talks about uh, the grinding poverty and the, the limited opportunities and using that the vehicle of it's this bachelor farmer who is committed to the church, committed to his mother, committed to his land. And by the time he realizes he wants something more, as in he wants love, he wants a wife, he wants a family, he can't inherit till his mother's dead. His mother lives for a very long time. He's too old to get a wife. He doesn't. He's not wealthy enough to get a wife, and he realizes he has this nothing. And it got quite a reaction. It was kind of censored a little bit in part, and I think he probably wanted to be. He, by calling it the hunger, he's linking back to the famine, famine yeah. the, the last thing any Irish government wants post-independence is any sort of idea that anything could be linked back to the famine because the famine, at least in Irish government policy and Irish government and societal that, that was caused by the British Yeah, yeah. that's never going to happen now again because you know Ireland's run by Irish people it's yeah. going to be fine it's never as simple as that but Kavanagh really leans into that and wants to be that biting voice hmm. and then when people don't like that element he really takes it quite personally to be honest with you i think yeah it's, it's kind of interesting like he wants to be a respected poet but he's not going to get respect from the farmers that work the field work the land back home and he feels he doesn't get the respect from the literary crowd in dublin who see him as a um almost like a historical artifact like mm. a real life peasant yeah yeah he comes to us with news of how to grow a cabbage yeah yeah. Um, yeah and 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 that's kind of interesting that he that it's almost like his characters he, he's one of the poets that you can really see that his character is shaped by his upbringing um and he's a real juxtaposition and he and you can see he's kind of he's quite tortured i think oh yeah um like i'm not sure if you'd ever have embraced the idea of you know happiness or ever wanted to embrace the idea mm. of happiness. he seems like he wanted that he also but he also seems like he wanted that life mm. wanted or, an easy life I don't, yeah i don't know if it's even want but i think it's what you get used to you know like you you sort of learn if, if that's the world that you've been brought up in a life that that doesn't guarantee happiness or you don't expect it to come you're, you'd nearly be suspicious if it started arriving or you know like that that you you get so used to living in a certain way that you're just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop if yeah. things were working working out well, you know. But interestingly, he took it really personal when people reviewed his poems and they were and they didn't review them 100 percent positively. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's this weird kind of thing. Like he he portrays himself that he has the thickest skin in the world, but his reaction to criticism of his work is very thin skinned. Mm. And which is interesting because he then goes and does Cavanaugh's Weekly, where his well, criticism is yeah. his criticism is kind of that classic. He can dish it out, but he can't take it back. Mm. He can't take it in return, um, which generally kind of turn to psychobabble for a second shows that lack of confidence he probably has in his <coughs> self has in his own abilities in, in some ways 
I'm, is that coming from the very, very, uh, you know, uh, wild locust and honey type of Catholicism that could have been preached and, you know, the sense that, yeah, you have to suffer in order to be saved kind of thing, like that that happiness is not really your due. Yeah, like, I think, I think. that's what, I, I mean, coming from, yeah, the countryside and, like, I, I you know, obviously decades and decades afterwards and everything, but... Certainly that sense, and it's also like the farming community thing as well, that like things don't, aren't supposed to all just like work out perfectly for you. you, There's everything comes back to an even keel, you know, like the year comes around the full circle, you know, um, and you experience all of it. And the the idea that your, that happiness is your due is, is, it, it, it should be like, you would hope for everyone that they get, they get that feeling, but I don't know if everyone always does. No, and and kind of the the again, I I am somewhat of I feel I would have always felt somewhat of an outsider in Carmel in in Mountain yeah. myself, having not having parents from there, um, and not really being kind of from there. Just literally ended up there in the mid nineties because I got a job in um, a, ne- a nearby town in Carmel Cross, and it it is a place where it's a pretty stoic area. It's mm. a little dour. Um, and there is not this expectation. But having said that, people are very, very friendly, but they they're 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 friendly in a way that is surface level in a way, and and kind of it's a small small community, and mm. it would have been smaller in Cavanaugh's <laughs> time, and I think and I think that's an element of it as well, that everyone knows each other and and like. He would have still been this. He's gone to Dublin. He's written poetry. He comes from the same state mm. as us. He got the same education as he went to. He went to primary. He got his primary cert and he stopped. Yeah. And he's writing poetry. And there's this probably this element of a little bit of awe, mm. but also a little bit of who does he think he is? Yeah, the audacity. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I, I think so. And I, th- and I think that kind of mixture that he kind of gets, mixed messages he gets growing up, and he, and he leans into it, and he is a really interesting character. Like, like some of the stories and kind of I don't know how well this is for leaving the surf, but he was once expelled from um, Inneskin GA Club. He was the treasurer, and he was removed from it because he was misappropriating funds. <laughs> now, what turns out the misappropriating funds he was doing he was buying ice cream with, with, with club stuff, and like apparently in the middle of a game once he was goalkeeper, he had no real interest in being there, and he disappeared halfway through the match to go and buy ice cream, and just left the goal empty. Like he, he also like he, you could also say he didn't really do much to dear himself to be yeah yeah. yeah and so yeah, there's no there's no uh, poem about ice cream like to bring it back to the question the idea that is poetry is kind of irrelevant or outdated i, I would find that kind of irrelevant I, like i'm not an expert on, on modern poetry i assume there's anger protests written by angry men i assume there's or, with angry themes within it or there's this yeah. cutting satire on, or attempted cutting satire on society as it is, the government as it is, yeah. a sense of not feeling like, not feeling identity in the place and things like that. Mm. So I, I don't think you could call it no. of, a, of a thing. And, and like our material conditions can change quite a lot. Like the Monaghan that Patrick Havenick grew up in, in the, in the 20s, 30s, 40s and lived in, there, lived in for, for the core of his life is gone. Materially, things are a lot better. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that 
everything about it. Human society changes materially, but doesn't always change psychologically. Yeah, oh, and, definitely and, not. And uh, so to say that a poet's work is irrelevant, well then, let's go and do the hot. Tri- let's 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 trigger every English teacher out there. So if Kavanaugh's irrelevant and he wrote in the middle of the twentieth century, Shakespeare, yeah, four hundred years ago. <laughs> let's let, let's let's start let's start getting rid of the work now. Let's burn down the globe. Yeah. Let's uh, let, let's you know what I mean. Like let's let, that, yeah yeah if, yeah. If you're going to call that irrelevant, yeah, I I, f- I found that um. Well, working with my class, that when we discussed Raglan Road, it's just gonna yeah the, the attitudes up. towards so so Raglan Road is you know a uh, a heartbroken uh, love love song you know uh, where he's uh, lamenting the fact that he has let this would be romance slip out of his uh, grasp, um, but when we read it in my class that the girls in particular were furious reading it like they were because of how objectified the woman is in it and i suppose that is a that does date it but i mean there are more recent things that are (laughs) more dated because of how much they objectify women you know yeah i think i think yeah what what john says there about it i don't think it's irrelevant i don't Mm. think there's you know there's still themes that we can absolutely but yeah in terms of dated and those ideas around especially now we're kind of talking about very open talking about gender and relationships and things like that. And I think it's that those kind of last two lines of on Raglan Road kind of got my my class going that I wooed not as I should a creature made of clay. When the angel woos the clay, he'd lose his wings at the dawn of day. And you know why is he comparing her to clay? Like that that just seems so strange. And is he saying that she's she's nothing? She's kind of you know she's there's t- there's two you know. there's two ways to look at that one. I, I yeah. think. One, uh, yeah, is it a, is it that he's saying that he's so he's so much more superior? You know, it sounds yeah, like an incel yeah. kind of going, "Rat, she didn't, she didn't like me," you know. Yeah, so no. she's the one made of clay. But then uh, maybe a, a more generous interpretation might be that uh, if she's made of clay, she's sort of been she's been made, and he says that he himself is the one who made her. Is he maybe calling out his earlier? objectification of her by saying you know i have created this projection of her that she's not really her it's actually (laughs) the projection of her and so because i have and he he admits it like i lost her you know i didn't it didn't work out because i treated her like the object that i made as in my desires kind of turned her into this you know oh she's just this lovely dark hair and I just want her to weave a snare around me and all this sort of stuff. But actually when I just treat her like an object made of clay, that's why I lost her, you know? That I think that's a more generous way of looking at it. Is it also an effort to show his intellectual chops? Oh absolutely. Life from clay is a religious metaphor. Yes, it is. So in in I'm I'm I've got I've got a laptop in front of me, I'm not a genius. (laughs) Um, but this idea of you know in Hinduism life is by, like, made by clay. It's 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 not so common within Western Christian tradition, yeah. but it is common within uh, religions more of shall we say Asia, just to keep it kind of broad. And so he's kind of also saying saying like this woman made from clay, you know I've created her, I've done the reading, I've done the work. Yeah, yeah. Ever, <laughs> yeah can, I know all the I love songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like the <laughs> and assuredness of him they were kind of like yeah. who is this guy yeah. <laughs> why are you making us study this guy I was like oh hello he's he t- like and say so I think going back to that question of poetic poetic language it is yeah. appealing it is enduring and I think oh yeah 
personally for me like some of the, my favourite poems I suppose coming from South Dublin and the, the areas mm. that Kavanagh moved to eventually I think it captures that it, those areas you know on Raglan Road the romantic you know we have that very romantic idealised ver- idealised version you know people they have a few jars on them start you know singing yeah. romantically about oh, Raglan yeah. Road and those Canal Bank Walk poems and you know lines written on a seat on the Grand Canal Dublin you know he he does, and I'm just wondering, John, do you think he kind of um, accepts, begins to, you know, he, we said there he went through an illness and he starts to mellow out um, a little bit. And Do you think he kind of comes to accept Dublin as, as his home? I think he probably does. I, I, I think he, I think he does because he, it, Dublin enables him to live a slightly more bohemian life, ultimately. Mm, like yeah. The person who he has a relationship for a very long time with, he never marries her. That's gonna be gossip for years back home, and in Dublin, it, in Dublin, it's still gossip. But yeah, but it's, shall yeah. we say in you know Dublin Four, it's gonna be less gossip. It's a little bit more, but he's a little bit more cosmopolitan. Um, I think he had a, he, I think he had lung cancer, lung removed. I think so. He okay. had a pretty significant yeah, um, blessing oper- in that area. Yeah. Pretty significant operation, and I think, um, I think, I think that does kind of enable him. And and there's probably that little bit of a whiff of the country lad wants to live in. Yeah, well, he when he's at home, he's there's a weight like there's a there's a serious sense of duty. Like when when he talks about Shanko Duff, it's beautiful, and he talks about the the three perishing calves on the hill and everything, and like it's really gorgeous imagery. But like uh, anyone's ever had to go out and pull calves out of a ditch or something like that, that's a hard physical work, thankless physical work that uh, you know you just. There, there is, there is very little glory in it, other than when people write about it ages and ages hence. Like it's really demanding, and there's no guarantee. And as you said, when he was in Monaghan, the life that was mapped out for him was a bachelor farmer life. You know, there, there is no sense that he's going to be able to live happily there. So of course, Dublin is more yeah, appealing but, when no, you and, compare and, and, it to and that. And so not everybody, but like I, my family are all dubs. We moved out there, we, yeah. we, and we spent a lot of time in Dublin. And my ambition at 17, 18, when I was young, believing sir, was remember my career guidance guy yeah, to dogs. I was like, "Where are you going? Dublin." Like, <laughs> what about Manu? It's like, "No, Dublin. <laughs> I'm going to Dublin." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's the same. And and I, I I think there's that little bit of it within Cavan as well. Now Cavan did not have the economic opportunities I have just to, just to go to Dublin. He didn't have the family connections that I had. Mm. But I think I can recognise that urge of like. Mm. Mm. going to Dublin yeah. and it's not just any part of Dublin he wants to live in he wants to be in the nice leafy the south Dublin part yeah. you know when we all have our imagine, uh, imagined version of how we live in Dublin yeah it's usually like near a canal it's near a yeah. canal it's yeah, leafy yeah. It's I, yeah I think that's what I find interesting then you know what you guys are talking about Cap because look I'm a dub I'm a true dub at heart centre city centre don't know what it's like to live in the countryside um, but I think it's that what's what he's drawn to in Dublin is still that kind of pastoral imagery or mm, pastoral oh yeah. uh, scenery, you know, in, in lines written on, uh, on a seat on the canal and Grand Canal Dublin, you know, so commemorate me here where there is water, canal water preferably, so stilly, greeny at the heart of summer. So he really captures that beauty of, but that's not really what Dublin's, what Dublin's like. Yeah, it's yeah. one particular part, but I think that's interesting. That's what, that's what he's drawn to. Yeah. And even like you can actually feel how it's like, like the 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 weight of everything is is just like lifting off him. He's even 
coming up with words greeny you know <laughs> like he describes yeah, something as oh green. stilly greeny he's like little playful words that he's like you know his spirit has so been like uh you know removed from that sort of sense of responsibility that he's able to play and um yeah enjoy himself but that there's definitely that sense of um uh like and you find it with so many irish poets i find that uh, who would have been brought up in you know religious traditions and stuff and particularly Catholic traditions, but they kind of find their way to praising like they they kind of find their own God a little bit like mm. like I th- I don't know if it's in that one or if it's in the other canal um with the canal bank walk but he he describes how the the bird is like is um. So bird is singing the word or something like that. that oh, it's, yeah, and a bird yeah. gathering materials for the nest for the word, eloquently yeah. new and abandoned to its delirious beat. Yeah, so he, he's like finding the um, the harmony of you know yeah. nature and everything, and it's it's kind of the lightness that he's feeling is bringing him back to like that beautiful poem, the Christmas childhood. Like mm-hmm. it's bringing him back to that sense of everything being. Um, yeah, not so heavy, you know. New yeah. and wondrous. Yeah. But I yeah. wonder, like, to go back to the, the the religious upbringing, like, you wonder, like, the way he's writing there, he's talking about this spiritual connection between humanity and nature. Um, and you wonder, was his real issue, was he, was he just a a la carte Catholic before a la carte Catholic was a thing? <laughs> because he, he talks about that kind of connection, but he's clearly got an issue with the moral teachings. You, you mean someone who's spiritual? Is that what you mean? Spiritual yeah. is the modern word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, picking and choosing. Picking and choosing. Or choosing their own individual yeah. structure. And I wonder, like, is is his major issue with the church that, you know, this moral messaging that was given out, this very clear and he clearly, you know, he was willing to live with somebody for many, many years openly yeah. and not marry. So he's, he, I like, and part of that, did he choose to do that because he wants to be different? He was, he mm. was the, he was the alternate character. Like it's, it's all of this can kind of wrap up and create, he, he, he's a very conflicted character because he's, he's negative, but he writes poetry that celebrates nature and positivity and, and, and positivity, yeah, yeah. but degrades society more shall we say he seems to have this affinity to nature yeah and struggles with humanity yeah um and that seems to go back to that reflection of where he came from he, he felt rejected as a child he was interested in learning things and maybe the attitude he either had whether he either heard it or just felt it was like why do you need to learn things there's a there's a field to be plowed there's, mm, there's, there's yeah, potatoes yeah. to be picked there's stones to be removed and that cat's gonna die unless you get it out of the get out of, get out of his mother in the next five minutes. Like, we don't have time, you know. Yeah. Don't bring me your war and peace. Don't bring me your Victor Hugo. Go and, you know. Yeah. Go and get that pail of water. But then his dad is, uh, is it like he talks about his dad playing the melodeon and stuff. So like, it, people in his life ha- have found a way to have a bit of art, but they just don't want to be necessarily celebrated in the same way. Like. Although he does, like you can tell in that Christmas childhood that that he really looks at his dad with total awe because he hears of the other people talking, like praising his father for what a, you know, wonderful player he is. And um, like, I wonder, did he, is he just looking up at his dad and going, oh, I'd like a bit of that, you know, like like the recognition from other people. Is it just, is that just what, it, and, and he's almost chasing that throughout his life then for, for you know the remainder, I don't know. But I, he, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, 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 
claiming to get the respect of your father is that not a to go back to relevance that's a very relevant thing i think that's going to be an eternal theme with yeah in society we all look for the, yeah. the claim of our parents or we either want to be as acclaimed as them or maybe slightly more yeah, acclaimed, sli- slightly ever more, so slightly ever more, so slightly more <laughs> yeah and 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 it's it's kind of one of those um as it goes back to that contradiction of his character he he, yeah. he is many different things and you kind of get the sense that once someone tried to pigeonhole him, he's just going to go a different direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's got that kind of malcontent. Um, I don't want positive praise. I want like, the world needs to be brutal and precise. And you know, I'm going to criticize everybody else, but of course, my work has merit. <laughs> so obviously, I I think you might maybe you should leave me alone. Yeah. Um. And 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 it's it is that kind of thing. And it, maybe he's just freer with how he is is i think most of us internally are like happy to criticize or happier to criticize and maybe less happy to receive the criticism but we also know to really say it out loud in public is going to provoke more maybe he was somebody that was more freer with his emotions freer with his perspective freer with his point of view and that means that he's always going to feel detached from be it Monaghan, be it Dublin, mm. be it as a poet, be it as a writer, be it as a satirist. Um, you know, even somebody who sues for libel, that reveals something of somebody's character. Very few people, yeah, especially of limited resources, ever yeah. want to sue for libel. And he sued for libel and it went very, very badly for him. <laughs> yeah. So... I think yeah. One of the questions that we asked for Bishop was, um, why should our students consider studying Kavanagh in this case? So, is there anything that you'd like to? Like, why should they consider including Kavanagh in their in their studies in their study poets? Then I, I would kind of think Kavanagh provides you this opportunity to create an s an ens- an answer an essay that reflects an element of Irish society. It, it mm-hmm. shows in Ireland as Kavanagh perceived it, any any artistic piece of work is not gonna, it's not necessarily going to be a full and factual truth. It's going to be the artist's perception. Kavanagh really gets to show that, and he, gets to sh- and he shows it in a way that is actually, I think it's quite clear in the way that he shows it. He, he uses fairly direct metaphors. He uses fairly clean and precise language. And as I leave and search student, maybe it's a bit on the nose, you should be grateful when an artist tells you exactly what they it want. The it, truth. It, it, yeah. it, it tells you what they think in a clear and unequivocal way. Mm. You know, he his his visual metaphors are clear. You go back to July evening in Inishkin Road, the bicycles go by two and three. And as that poem builds, you can, maybe because I know the area that he's talking about, I can actually, I can develop that sense of that kind of that heavy, humid evening, mm. the insects in the air, um, and he really builds that and he kind of brings in this snapshot of Irish life as it was in that time period. And he doesn't he doesn't build it up. He doesn't knock it, well, he probably knocks it down more than he builds it up, but he shows it as he believed it to be. And that is something to kind of, to really kind of embrace as far as I'm concerned. Again, if you, if you sometimes struggle with very opaque, very involved metaphors and metaphorization, Kavanagh could be your man because he writes in a clear, precise prose um, and could be something looking at. Don't, I, I wouldn't be too... You don't have to like the man. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I 
don't think I'd like Kavanaugh. I think I'd probably find a fairly angry, malcontent uh, guy that just wants to be different. Um, but there's nothing in the Leavenstreet that says you have to like the poet you're writing. So, yeah, when, when I... When I like I jumped on the chance to get to study uh, Kavanaugh this year with my six years. I just think he's a fantastic poet. Um, but that uh, th- that for for me the heart of of why we should study uh, Kavanaugh is centered around that um, discomfort uh, in himself. You know that 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 sense of being both totally uh, committed and believing in where he's from and who he is. And at the same time, rubbishing it, you know, like uh, and ridiculing himself and the people around him, and like the seriousness that he he sometimes brings to it, um, and uh, because I I don't know, but like I'm I'm sure everyone has those feelings where they they feel both that what they're trying to do with their time on this earth is worthwhile and valuable, and then at the same time, you want to rubbish it and just ah, it doesn't matter, like don't don't worry about it so much, like you know and just relax and and enjoy yourself and find beauty where you can you know um and i'm sure everyone kind of tangles with both of those uh challenges in their or not challenges but aspects of their personality I think, uh, I think and so. if he, he voices that very well i think so especially if your work goes into the public realm yeah if your work is going to have judgment there's there's always this insecurity of and even say this within teaching there's always this insecurity of you think you're doing a good job mm-hmm. and you could be 99% confident you're doing a good job and then there's that 1% that takes the background kind of going there's so many young lives I am um, you know what I mean and Kevin I think kind of embraces it as like no my poetry has merit doesn't it uh, doesn't yeah, it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I thank you so much. Um, I really enjoyed this podcast, actually. I think I learned a lot uh, from the two of you. But I definitely agree that, yeah, going back to that, that question that we were kind of looking at of, you know, is he dated or irrelevant? I think we kind of debunked that a little bit, that, you know, there is still themes that are definitely relevant there. And in terms of, yeah, Irish society and what glimpses he gives into Irish society and that his poetic language, um, as John said there as well, is that it is, it is very clear cut or it's it's a bit more that we, we can engage in a little bit more. And it, that does help to um, have an enduring appeal as well. Um, so thank you so much, uh, John and Sean, uh, for your insights there on, on Patrick Kavanagh. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of A Door Into The Dark. Don't forget that you can request uh, special episodes. So if there's anything that you would like to know more about either in your junior cycle course or senior cycle course, just email the English department at templecarrigschool.ie. On Raglan Road Of an autumn day I saw her first And knew That her dark hair Would weave a snare That I might One day rue I saw the danger And I passed along the enchanted way And I said let grief be a fallen leaf At the dawning of the day On Grafton Street in November 
we trip lightly along the ledge of the deep ravine where can be seen the worth of passion's pledge. The queen of hearts still making tarts and I not making hay. Oh, I loved too much, and by such, by such, is happiness thrown away. I gave her gifts of the mind, I gave her the secret sign that's known to the artists who have known the true gods of sound and stone and word and tint without stint for I gave her poems to say with her own name there and her own dark hair like clouds over fields of May. On a quiet street where old ghosts meet, I see her walking now. Away from me so hurriedly, my reason must allow that I had loved not as I should a creature made of clay when the angel woos the clay he'd lose his wings at the dawn of day